Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Not That Man Aware podcast. Uh, third installment, we got my boy Pete Hanna on. Uh, I met him as a competitive bartender. He has been a finalist and a winner in many different competitions that are local, international, global competitions, national stuff, all, all kinds of things. Uh, he lives in Orlando, Florida as of right now. Uh, he's originally from the UK. I don't remember exactly where, but uh, I met him years ago at a competition and then you know he used to come to the bar and then you know, I'd go see him wherever he was at. But uh, yeah, great guy, always a very eloquent speaker. So I think that there's lots to learn from it. Um, you know, this podcast, I don't want, you know, my own podcast, I don't want to be particularly about one specific topic. Uh, but, you know, when you're on with a fellow uh, industry person, naturally, you're going to get a lot of uh, industry talk. So uh, I think that we do hit some interesting points and some more philosoph- philosophical points about why bars operate the way they do. But uh, yeah, I think everyone's going to really enjoy it. It's a dope pod. And uh, there's actually a, a good almost hour that the video file got corrupted, but I have the audio file, so I'll probably upload on the Patreon uh, the audio file for right now. So anyway, uh, yeah, check out the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you soon. Podcast. My name is Nathaniel Kapanos, and I'm here with. I have a, an intro for you, Pete. Oh, You're the uh, the articulate adulator, the pessimistic piss taker, Pete Hanna. Thanks. <laughs> I'll uh, take it. Yeah, I thought man. of that on the flight. Well, I'm glad it didn't take you too long, mate. Nope. <laughs> I was like, this, I, I was like, this is funny. I had to look up the word adulation. So I was like, what is what is that? What does that the, mean? You used the correct. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I figured you. I, I knew I yeah. knew that you were correct. See, three years three years studying English finally put to good use. Yes, <laughs> the mother tongue. Yeah. Um, so right now we're drinking a uh, a special drink. I make a drink for every one of my guests. Pete loves Guinness, so I did a Guinness reduced spiced syrup, and uh, made just kind of like a cold foam latte with it. And uh, I'm into latte. it, man. Yeah, if it's got Guinness in it. It's never going to be bad. So, cheers. Cheers. Plank. Paper straw, save the turtles. That's right. Yeah. I mean, there'll be too many sea turtles soon, and then we'll be back to plastic straws, stabbing them into the turtles. But until then... Someone right. someone at uh, the bar the other night was commenting about how we didn't recycle... Some, they were wasting a lot of water. They're like, which it's a, it's a bar. Yep. Uh, it's like telling the kitchen that they're wasting, I don't know, oil or mm. whatever. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, you're dumping you, it. We use oil, so yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, it gets recycled, obviously, but uh, they were at, they were like saying that, and then their significant other leans over and was like, "Yeah, but they're using paper straws," and it was such a funny like it was awesome. Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, that I mean, that's not the same thing no, at all," no, and that not. actually doesn't make any sense. But I guess water and sea turtles. I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. So I like uh, turtles, man. That's that's fine. Let's. I'll, we should save them. That's what I said. Yeah. Uh, that's what they're, they're telling me. This. I was like, this makes no sense whatsoever. But I was like, you know what? I was like. Yeah, you know what, man? Long live the turtles and the fish and the, the seals that you see with, like, fishing wire on yeah, them. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Like, yeah, if that's what we're thinking about, yeah, it's good. Yeah, if we can protect them, let's do it. I'm down. I'm more of a no-straw guy. If, yeah. If, if you're going to... Yeah, I'm usually the same, but you gave it me, so I thought I'd be polite. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> no, I mean... It's going to turn into, like, mush in, like, five, ten minutes, and then it's just going to annoy me. Well, it's actually a developing drink, so as oh, you drink perfect. it... Oh, so that's part of the... Okay, this kind of podcast is about nihilism, and you're going to see how pointless life is I'm by exi- drinking. I'm, I'm excited. Okay. Nihilism. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's go. Uh, 
Yeah, so uh, actually that's kind of a, I have, I have a few notes because I am challenged by being able to focus. So okay. I figured I would not rant and go on a million different tangents. Okay. Well, I'll try not to. Okay. Uh, so one of the things that I was recently kind of thrust into uh, in the sexy fish world was uh, the cultural differences between the UK or just like the slight differences between uh -huh. the UK and the US. And it's kind of like that, that like bizarro effect where it's like they're so similar that the slight differences at the, at the extremes are like so apparent and almost grating, mm -hmm. you know? But it's like really like very, very, very similar yeah, yeah, yeah. in most ways. I was talking about this yesterday, man. Yeah, like never of like, never as a culture cultures that are like so similar actually been so different right yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty funny when you find those little tiny differences and there's like a gulf yeah yeah big time yeah they uh i noticed that the and, and like so correct me correct me on these points and uh, oh i will yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i noticed that like british people as a whole and in, in general i met plenty that you know didn't fit the mold but mm -hmm. for the most part they were outwardly more more reserved in the sense that they wanted like the, it's kind of like a group think thing they wanted people all, like it was like you had to you had to act in a certain way and maybe there's some kind of structure even if that way was okay now we're out and we're being wild like okay everybody everybody's wild here and we're being funny or crazy mm -hmm. and when we're over here in this this section it's like it was very like fragmented and um but like in their personal lives all, these are younger you know hospitality professional british people uh-huh they were like crazy like like they like, like everyone was like had multiple partners or everyone was like bisexual this and that i mean it's not that different in america but it was like like every one of them every one of them like for the most part and it was crazy and i mean that's just one little aspect but it seemed like like they all put on this really nice facade and then like every other part of their life like in a, in a respectful way they just like kind of went buck wild man i mean I don't know. So, <laughs> not being a wild bisexual hedonist, it it's yeah, it's difficult for me to for me to talk about that. I think there's more of a, there's definitely more of like a group aesthetic, like more. Of, I guess you would say like a way to behave mm -hmm. that is that is probably more prevalent in society in the United Kingdom that maybe people move away from in their personal lives now, especially younger people, right? Because excuse me, historically, they would look to very much conform to the way society wants them to conform to. And certainly where I grew up, that was a, a thing. And I think... Right, these are, these are people from London. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, well, and, I mean, are they from London or did they just gravitate towards London and then become part of that scene the same way no people doubt. do in New York? No doubt. So yeah, you, you get that a lot. But so what you've got there are people who are trying to break away from that kind of safety and conformity. Now, there's definitely more of a, an emphasis placed on individuality in this country. And I think that right. when you're a teenager in this country... It seems like a lot of teenagers in this country get kind of, they have like a conflict of self and you get a lot of teenage angst. And so I look at like the way I grew up, we had a lot of, all our music and all our, like it was very communal and it was all about fun and it was all about togetherness and it wasn't about adherence or aiming for some kind of like extreme lifestyle that mm -hmm. was really unrealistic, like maybe hip hop was. Yeah. And it certainly wasn't about, man, I hate my parents, I, no one understands me, grunge, Nirvana stuff either. Right. So yeah, like I, I do think that there was probably, when I was growing up, more of like an, an easiness to your life because you kind of knew where you were, right? And you all fit into those nice easy categories and so that everyone played 
team sports. Everyone, all, like, all my mates played soccer and we all played together and then we were all in bands and we would all go out together. And as long as we had like a torn five pound note in our back pocket and could afford a gin and tonic or a pint of lager, everything was kind of fun. Right. It seems like there's a lot more struggle that goes on in this country. But when you come out the end of that, you have people who hopefully have more of a sense of self and yeah. so they're more individual and so they don't they if you move to like a, a, a cosmopolitan center you're able to kind of adapt and be yourself more than just fitting into some kind of rat race if that makes sense yeah definitely yeah that's ex- so it's exactly that's well put the way that i kind of i felt there's like this like language or there's like these things that i was supposed to be doing that i didn't like it was like i was unaware of when i was around these british people it was like it wasn't just like i was being uncouth because you know, i'm not I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm pretty professional and you know amiable guy but it was like there's like these like you know, structures or whatever that I, I was I, I couldn't see they were invisible to me and they all knew like oh we do this we do this we do this even even though they had these like other natures uh, I could definitely say that I saw it most prevalently in the way that the bartending was uh-huh. uh, you know that I, you know it's a classic trope that we're like British people see us as kind of like cowboys uh-huh. you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. rogue mm-hmm. on your own for yourself right and uh, definitely there was plenty of that. When we were doing the training, they're like, "This is not going to be this way." Blah blah blah. We work as a team, but you know, I think that the the one thing that um, one of the critiques of British culture, especially coming over to America, that was spot on was the like, and and uh, no doubt Americans have this everywhere else they go, mm-hmm. uh, but in London, like we came, we like you know our country seceded from them mm-hmm. uh, from their rules so like it's like they're like big brother when we go back over there uh-huh. and they kind of like wag their finger at us <laughs> everywhere else we go we're like oh we're top dog mm-hmm. but they 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 were like they had this arrogance that not they were very nice people but they had this arrogance that they knew what American bars were like number one mm-hmm. without knowing and B they knew a better way to do it I don't think that's uh, I'm, I'm, I'll say straight away I'm not very patriotic Right. So um, I, I mean, yeah. So and I've never been patriotic. That's to do with um, the way my the city that I'm from was was treated by the rest of the country for a very long time. Right. Like they call Liverpool the capital of Ireland. We're a lot closer to Ireland. My grandparents on my mother's side are both Scottish. So I've, mm. I've never really like. Right. I don't watch England in the World Cup. Really don't give a shit. Service stack of British people all day long, and the job I'm in now. Yeah, they they've got. Because we ran a third of the world 150 years ago, there's this notion that British people know how to do everything and they're just right. amazing at it. And yeah, like it's funny because I think Americans kind of put British people on a pedestal sometimes. Definitely. Where they think everyone is essentially Ron Weasley or Hermione Granger. Yeah, yeah. And yo, man, that's not the case. Like if you go to London, it's fucking horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like having lived there, like it's fucking horrible. You're right. either going to get mugged or unappreciated. Right, right. But that's what's going to happen there. So I've got no time at all for, for anyone who's like, these people are also lovely and they're also well mannered. Blah blah blah. Right. blah. Fuck that nonsense, man. They, they, they just are the same as everyone else, and right. there's plenty of crappy people. Right. But yeah, a lot of them have this kind of old colonial. We're England, so we're absolutely like like the, we've got the World Cup coming up. Mm-hmm. England aren't going to win the World Cup. Yeah, it's, yeah. In, it's in Qatar, <laughs> right? But like, England guys aren't going to go and play in thirty degrees, even or ninety degrees, even in the winter in Qatar, and win the World Cup. Not going to happen. Yeah. But because it, because they want it to happen and they believe that we invented the game because lads were kicking pig's bladders up and down streets in Victorian England, that we've got some inherent right to win it right, right, rather right. than just enjoying it. And the rest of Europe laughs at them. Yeah. Right? So, like, England will be like, England-Germany's the biggest game and Germany's like, nah, man, 
France or Spain or Italy. They're the, they're the people who've won shit historically. These right. are the big powerhouses. But England, for some reason, holds on to that. Winston Churchill and Lord Nelson were from England, so we, we have some inherent right to be better than everyone else. I don't get it. And what you'll, you do get, I've been mega scathing to, to English people now, obviously. Loads of them are awesome, obviously. Yeah. Like, um, Although, I think the, the music music scene in, in even now man like even a lot of the artists I'm listening to now and I listen to a lot of like new music I'm, I'm always obsessed with new shit so like I'm, I listen to I'll listen to new music entirely I'm like oh I want to listen to a bunch of songs I don't know mm. put on a radio of like a song I, I heard once uh, but a lot of the new artists for the last like five years that I've been digging on that eventually spawn other artists over here mm. or you know or I'll find you know amazing yeah okay I'm just gonna put this down. Yeah. <laughs> we can edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> or keep it on there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the artists that that I like, or that will like inspire me, or they'll like, well, I think inspire other artists, are freaking. They're from London, typically, and it's like they have this strong, strong music scene, and so like, and so there is this sense of individualism over there of some sort. But it, I think you're right. It is different. In America, it's like we take pride in, in our struggle because, I mean, you know, I guess that's like how it came up and, and that's the, uh, the American dream and all that. I think that. it's still a very new country as well. I oh, mean, yeah. it's, like, it's still very much a country that really is probably going through growing pains and figuring itself out, but exactly. no one likes to really admit that. You think of like, I mean, it's what, was it 1787 or 1776 or whatever? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing at all. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, my family owns things that are older than the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so the, the notion that it's still kind of figuring itself out, and I think it's figuring itself out for the better, and then it has a, a massive influence on culture now, and other places like Paris, like London and stuff, they'll they'll look at New York, San Francisco, Chicago, yeah. and, and, and that's only a positive thing. But yeah, I think in, England's definitely got... It's all, I mean, London's always had like an awesome scene for stuff, because that's where artists will always gravitate to. Right. Um, and it's massive so yeah that's yeah, anyone yeah. who's any good at it is going to go there and if they make it great and then yeah other people are going to hear it because of that yeah I think that when I was when I was working with um, the British people in the bar and if I could consider what we do art in any type of way or an expression of some sort uh-huh. then I'd say that you know they I already I had already I had already made a name for myself and like you know been successful in what I did so I had their respect in some sort of way and I earned it as well as being you know a, a good person hard worker all that but, um, you know, I had it, and they, they like, when, I, that's how I feel like the music scene is, where it's like, if you do it, and it's good, it's like, okay, now you can be as individual as you want. You're one of those people, you've done it. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was the, the, the way in England. But it's, otherwise, it's like, it's kind of nice, though, because they would, they would call things out when they weren't good, and, like, you kind of get put in your place a little bit, mm-hmm. which I feel like sometimes in America, not, in the, not with my friend groups or, you know, with the people in the bars that I work at usually, you try to be, you know, at least kind of honest. Uh-huh. It, like, that, it's actually... I think it's shitty to not be honest to somebody. Yeah, it's, and it's a waste of your time to be passive aggressive. Yeah, you're actually like, I mean, that's when I don't tell people things is when I don't like them that much. I'm like, oh, you, the drink's good, or oh, that song, yeah, it's good, man. The song, yeah, maybe you work on this. Mm-hmm. And, but if I don't like them, I, you know, I'm not gonna give them any advice because I don't, I don't want them to get any better. Uh-huh. But they, they pretty much gave, you know, critical advice well, and uh, I think that was cool. So maybe like, maybe it's like, uh, you gotta earn it a little it's bit. It's funny more. though because it's horses for courses that because honestly, like the Savoy is great. Um, Man, I can't think of a single other part. Like, uh, there's there's loads of like bars, shapes, or names. Yeah, Saints, yeah, Whiskers, Remy Savage and stuff. A couple yeah. of those guys. Yeah, again. like there's a load of like the trailer happiness, and then yeah, you, you can have 
all of that dandelion and lioness stuff's just not for me. Um, it's cool though, right? It's like fine, they, they do, but, it's interesting. But it's, I mean, I remember going and I, and they had like a drink that they repurposed cardboard and they were so excited about it. Yeah. And so yeah, you would drink that drink and you go, okay, yeah, I get it. I think it's more of a, I, when I see uh, bars like that. I think it's cool. I think they're making a statement more than they are making really great drinks. It's, gone, it's not the real world, man. Right. It's not the real world. It's an art. It's a, it reminds me of uh, like like modern art. Yeah. Which it, I like a lot of modern art, even the ones that are fucking, especially if they're weird. If they're just black pieces of canvas, whatever. I'm not into it. I, I respect that you can do that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all about the story usually, which reminds me of American Idol in some ways. But you know, there'd be some. Real, I'm, I'm into some abstract, cool art. And I feel like that's what that is. And after cool art, you go to a sterile art expose, you stare at it, you think, and you, you're quiet, right? And you, you watch it. It's not going to a punk show. It's not watching street art. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not that guy on Instagram that yeah, does the doodles in the air. It just kind of makes me tired. Like, like, yeah. like serving, yeah. <laughs> serving the public is way harder than serving people who work for newspapers or brands, man. Or people who just work behind other bars and come in and get dead excited about about things that essentially no one's no one's ever going to do because uh, London's a really good example you can't run those other bars anywhere else because London's charging 25 pound a drink and good for you but my mother's not going to buy that my mum's going to go down to Weatherspoons and drink the drinks that she's always drank and if you can make those like making tiny changes to make way more sense than racing ahead of everyone to show people how awesome you are yeah it's kind of stupid like because I mean I'm I don't think what we do is art at all. I think there's a difference between an, an, an yeah. art and a craft. I agree. So an art is something that is a focus, right? An art is something that I want to... It is designed to stimulate conversation or make us think about things in new ways and stuff like that. I don't think that's what bartending is. It's a craft. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that essentially... It's like cooking or anything. Like It yeah. is designed to, to facilitate those kind of conversations but not be the focus of it. Yeah, yeah. And so that's... I've got no time for when people just fixate on... We put oyster shell oyster shells into a rotovap. Yeah, man, that's great. That's great, man. And I hope it tastes good. I'm not sure it's going to taste good enough to really warrant doing it. Yeah. But interesting things are fine. I think that when when you're in high concept stuff like that, which you know I've I've done a bunch of, I think that it's it's important for me. I don't whatever everybody else does. Who gives a shit? But for me, when I'm doing that, it's important that it, like I always try to use stuff from the program that I was doing, and then throw it through a centrifuge, throw it through here, infuse it, whatever. Because it's like that, not just because I want to be green, like that's a, that's a, a, a beneficial side effect. Yeah, like but I've got nothing, yeah, nothing. Like if you sell oysters at your bar, yeah. like if they shucked oysters here and then they use the oysters, like if, I mean, this bar would never rotovap, but let's just say they did for whatever reason. And they use the oyster shells in the rotovap because they, they didn't throw them out at night. That'd be cool. It's like, okay, you're reutilizing something and it makes sense within your brand. That's when for me, I'm I, when I see stuff like that and it's kind of high concept, but it's like, oh, you did that with what you had you kind of made do with what you had that's why I think it's cool when people are just throwing things around it, it, it's it's high concept and that's why I see it more as like a kind of a sterile art show see, than I it see. is like a, a bar should be fun yeah that's it man like I, I'm still gonna go to Attaboy yeah and those drinks are still better than your drinks every single I th time I think that's so like you know the bars that I like and the and it, you know the bartending style is definitely more of that New York style and I think that what they do really well is subtlety and and almost in a hipstery way, right? When it's bad, it's 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 exclusion exclusionary and and you know demeaning. <laughs> like you don't know what you're talking about, yeah, and yeah. they don't even give you a menu, and they just look at you. But you know, I, I think once you earn and know the knowledge and do all that stuff, and, and maybe if you don't have an asshole bartender, mm -hmm. uh, or yeah, if they're that, having a bad that, day, that's the key thing, man. Like at the end of the day, like it's not it's actually not hard. 
No. Like, it's really not hard at all. And, you know, I don't own a rotor app. I'm pretty sure if someone showed me how to do it, I could do it. Yeah. There's, there's really not anything that difficult about any of the stuff that those people are doing. And yeah, it's very inventive. And I'm sure you can sit around a table because you're getting paid to be sat around a table right. while the rest of us are still trying to be on shift to make more money because yeah, yeah. we want to pay our rent. That's more important to me. And that's something I've got a bigger interest in is like the not the, the handful of people who get to fuck about on someone else's dime who work for big hotels or big brands or all the rest of it. But the people who are trying to make a living being a bartender and are making 27 grand a year and would like to double that income because one day they might want to own a house. Yeah. And they might love the idea of having health insurance, which is way more important than doing any of that nonsense. And you literally cannot do this job for them. Yeah, literally, yeah. It's literally gonna physically You hit a ceiling. You. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I was talking to my buddy who does, um, he does, uh, he's a tennis instructor. Uh -huh. I was talking to him the other day and it's very similar. He was like a really, really good tennis player who's top 300 mm -hmm. uh, at one point in his life when he was younger. And now he teaches tennis, of course. Yep. And he gets some people pay him buku bucks. Other mm -hmm. people, it's kids, and you know he gets does like you know two or three kids in one class. Yep. And you know like he's like, yo, the thing is, instructing tennis is like I never finished college because like, why would I? Yeah. He's like, it, yeah. it's the same thing, you know. You're you're playing tennis and teaching it, and he's, it's a similar amount of money that you make, but pop that back in there. But uh, it's a similar amount of money that you make, but. Um, there's a ceiling, right? You can only, otherwise you're gonna burn yourself out, just like bartending, because mm -hmm. it's time. But you know, even if you're making $900 for a three hour session with some CEO that needs tennis instruction, it still is like, that's, that's, that, you still have to go do that for, mm -hmm. you have to go prepare, it takes time out of you, it takes it out of you, and it's like, and you know, th that guy can just drop you at any moment and be like, yeah, I don't need tennis anymore, mm -hmm. you know? So, I think that like, my buddy who is doing, who is doing uh, finance, he, uh, he got out of college and he was making like 58 grand a year. They moved him to LA, he was making 100, which actually ended up being about the same amount of money. Yeah, it's like moving to Dubai. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. fucked him actually. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, he was, until like two years ago, right before the pandemic, I was making more money than him. And I'm, at, I'm probably in the higher percentage of bartenders who make money, you know, and all the little stupid side gigs and stuff. But still, I was like making as much. And then, and then for a while, like a little more, and he was making, then he got another raise. But now he's crushing me. Mm -hmm. Now he's making a double what I'm making, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, that's the trajectory: is that he's the, he's again, again, probably another ten years, fifteen years, probably double his salary again at that point if he continues being successful. And bartending, even if you become an owner, which is a wholly different talk, uh, argument, uh -huh. but you still you don't have that. I you don't it, double your money being a bar owner necessarily, yeah, or the, if you do, that's it. That's all you same, got. At the same time, though, like so, I so I worked in finance, right? I, that was what I did when mm -hmm. I, I bartender for ages. Was in this country for a bit, left, and I would still do bartending. And I was in hospitality, but I was at American Express private bank, ah. and um, it's not as fun, right? Is what it comes down to, right? And yeah, having having two weeks vacation a year in this country. Um, but yeah, everyone but, in the UK was like, "You guys are gonna get a, get a month," and I was like, "No, we won't." Yeah, they're like, "Yeah, you will." I'm like, yeah, the bartenders aren't gonna get any. No. <laughs> and so yeah, like so, to only get two weeks vacation and and to to do those high, anyone who pays you a lot is gonna demand a lot of yeah. you. And so it's I do, like even though I might make less now, I'm like yourself. I'm very fortunate to to do pretty good because I've got the two things you need. I've got high check price and volume, which is yep. all you need. Yep. Um, I don't miss that world because this is just more fun. Yeah. And I think that's something that 
people don't admit to themselves is like, yeah, man, you have to do it because you like it. Not yeah. just you like, yeah, yeah. not just you like fucking about with drinks. True. Because honestly, you could do that and do, and you could be a painter or a decorator and fuck about with drinks if you wanted. To. It doesn't matter. Or a dentist. Like it, it, it really has got nothing to do with anything. The drinks are important, but they're just a small part of of going in and setting up and being part of your team and looking after people without being bummed out all the time. Yeah. And this notion that. Like something that big companies always stress is that you might not be having a good day, but you have to make sure everyone has a good day. It's like, yo, man, if you're not having a good day, please stay home. But usually you should be having a good day. Yeah. And if you're not having a good day when you do this, don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Find something else to do. 100%. It's just one of the easiest ways to make decent money without actually trying all that hard. Yeah, for sure. And like yourself, I like to go a little bit deeper into it and think about the psychological nuances of the guest interaction or what makes a better experience or how to make better drinks and all the rest of it and I'll do the reading and I'll do the visits and I'll speak to people but yeah like at its core it's just it's just kind of an easy way to do it right yeah um, that's the reason to do it but the caveat is once you get if you're doing that kind of bartending where you're gonna make real real good money which is essentially kind of like nightclub bartending whatever way you dress it up yep. then you're gonna you're gonna hit a physical wall if you yep. don't really look after yourself and there's not many people who are doing it at 50, 55, 60, 60 because it's just gonna, or they're seasonal yeah it's just gonna right. make a mess of you you'll get like those old world guys who stand behind slow bars and they're kind of like caricatures at that point and it's like I'm having, like in New Orleans bar yeah bar. like it's like oh I'm having I'm like Peter Dorelli's making me a, a martini at the Savoy which is great like that's I would do yeah. that that's great yeah, and same. I don't even like martinis but yeah like that's that's awesome but at that point, it's a bit different than what most people are doing. So yeah, you need to think about what that secession is, how you're going to get out of that environment, or really, really, really look after yourself. Yeah, for sure. The I think that you know when I worked, used to work like pure, like basically pure volume. They shoehorned cocktails into it, but it was a very volume bar, and I, you know, and I cut my teeth there. I when I would leave, I would I hated everybody basically. Like, yeah. I was I was spent. And physically, it was very demanding. But outside of that, it was just you're herding cattle. You don't. I don't love my job. I, I love my job because it was like a, I conquered something. It was very like, very uh, testosterone heavy in my at least when I did it because you have to like call people out, kick them out. You're cut off. Boom, boom, boom. You you have to do that or they eat you up. Yeah, eat you a lot. Oh, yeah, of course. And then, but if you do that successfully, it's like hunting something. It's like you get rewarded not just with the the I'm I'm running the ship and I'm doing this and I'm controlling this. You also get rewarded with fuckloads of money because it's exponential how much they, they just throw money at you yeah. when you're commanding it as well mm -hmm. and you know it's it's very fair it's like you, you don't know your drink I'm skipping you I'm going to you and it's like thank you for skipping them uh -huh. here's 20 bucks on top of the bill so like you know it was an, it was very interesting it like but it puts your brain sexy fish was very similar because I was getting paid a good a good salary for the job uh, and they gave me a raise too I was probably one of the, the highest salary straight salaries I've gotten uh -huh. but uh, you definitely make more bartending but like the pressure was so high all the time, even for dumb stuff. And there was so much expected of you. And it was a very similar thing where, like, when I was working out and going to the gym, I was listening to like drum and bass or like like punk music, like just just like aggressive music. And I still hit that sometimes now. But it's funny when I go to the gym now, I listen to like because I'm in just like a totally different, happier mind state. And you don't really realize it until you're out of it. But you're like, man, I was. I think my friends came to visit me when I was working at Sexy Fish, and they were like, I was talking to them. Oh, cool, some dude's coming in. But I was talking to them, uh, and um, we were hanging out, and I had a day off, uh -huh. and I was happy to have a day off, and I was happy to hang out with them, and they were talking to me, and they were like, I thought I was being fun, and they were like, are you, they're like, hey man, you, you seem different, like, uh 
Have you, how, how's, how's the job going? I was like, good, great. I'm, no, I'm happy. They're like, you sure? You seem like intense right Pent now. Up, and yeah. I was like, what? And that was like the first cue where I was like, man, I, <laughs> what? <laughs> this is me. This is my happy time. Uh, but yeah, bar, bars and bars, bars and bars, bars. Yeah. Um, so I had, a, I had a few other things I wanted to touch on. Cool. Um, so I know obviously you have children. Uh-huh. And like your perspective in life, how much did it change when you had kids? Like what changed about it? Obviously some, some things change. Man. Uh, like well, like yeah, one so, or two things. Like, yeah, man. So I was, never, I, I was never someone who was like desperate to get married. I was never someone who knew if I was going to have children. And then it's, it's all those old cliches. Like the second, the second it's they're here she's here yeah your life is never the same and yet you think everything every decision you make everything you think about planning all of your ambition all revolves around those those people from now on see I have two girls Adelaide's 11 now and Annalise's 6 and yeah like it's the you lose you lose freedom in a way that you don't really care about so yeah like it would if I didn't have them there's every chance I would have moved to New York by now or I'd have Right, Chicago, up in another country. There's a there's a Bukowski quote that not to interrupt you, but that goes like, uh, when when no one wakes you up in the morning and when no one bothers you about when you're going out at night. I'm paraphrasing. Mm. Uh, what do you call that? Loneliness or freedom? That's it. It's right? like, are you really free? I mean, like, yeah, it's obviously. Yeah, it's, it keeps you. Go- and, and it's funny because I've it, eleven years I've had it now, so I don't. I, I kind of can't remember what it was like before because you can't ever remember what it was like to not have that presence. Right. But yeah, it, it 100%, I mean, it's exhausting, but it just, it keeps you going. Every day it like galvanizes you to try that little bit harder because you've got someone else to do it for. Mm. Um, so yeah, it just, it kind of makes you want to be a better person because you know that other people are watching. Yeah, for sure. And so that's that's the, the key thing. And it's, I don't think I'm going to win that of the year or anything, but yeah, you just, you just kind of, you just, you, it's, you want the best for that person regardless of anything else. Right. So yeah, that's the, the yeah. difference is, is, yeah, like it's, it's a wonderful thing that, because I never thought I never, was never bothered about having it. You don't understand it until you've got it. Yeah. And it's, once you've got it though, it's something you'll never forget and you're eternally grateful for. It's, it's the best thing in the whole world. Like there's nothing better. And I was never a kid person. Growing up, I was never good with children or anything like that. Um, now, honestly, they're just they're just the greatest treasure. Yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. like the best thing in the whole world. And I could watch them, whether they're being good or being naughty, whatever background they're from, I could just watch them forever. Yeah, because yeah. they're just fascinating, fascinating little guys and dudes. Um, yeah, they're just they're just the best. They're just the absolute best. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think that like you know, other than just priorities, you know the friends I've seen and like when they have kids. It's nice because I think that, you know, in, in society today, God isn't as big of a part, whether you're religious or not, it just isn't as big of a part of our lives as it, you know, as it once was. And I think that, you know, humans instinctually, we need some kind of, some kind of personal religion or something that you live your life by, right? And a lot of people, it's bartending, like, which is kind of sad. Uh, you know, there's, there's definitely more to life than just one thing. But I think that, you know, it's nice because those kids give you a, a definitive purpose I, but I right. think, yeah, I think to be to be bound by because I was like that. I think everyone goes through that. That's just part of the trajectory yeah. of being a bartender, right? I remember when you start doing it, you're like a bit. I was never like super nervous with it. I always liked it, but you'd be like, "All right, let's do it. Let's serve the people. What do I do next? I'm gonna flag the guest. 
I'm going to put the beer in front of them. Are they happy? They're doing okay. I've got through that first transaction. It's great. Yeah, yeah. And then you start building a bit of rapport and you start liking it. And then someone will be like, I want a mixed drink. And you're like, oh, shit, here we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you start making mixed drinks. And, you'll, and they're like, it's good. And it's terrible. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you don't know any difference, so your confidence builds. And then... And then finally someone tells you when you make a bad drink right. and you're like, well, shit. Not, or not even. Like, you just don't even realize you've been making bad drinks until eventually you start figuring out how to make good drinks. And then you usually fall off a cliff there and just focus on drinks too much. And you think that bartending is about how much, how many bitter and smoky ingredients you can put into a really basic sour recipe. And those wireframes are just your best friends, so you can just put a terrible amount of ingredients into drinks of course and then you start you, you finally get to the point hopefully where you dial that back and go do you know what classics classics for a reason there's nothing wrong with things that just taste good and then um, you're drinking straight like you're just drinking margaritas or like Negronis forever well, yeah, and, but I mean, for a while where it's like you're just drinking the most simple of yeah, drinks but, but I mean like, I would like my favorite cocktail and I don't drink a lot I don't drink a lot of cocktails if I'm not going to have a Guinness I'll probably have like an Americano or something I just want something that does the job I need it to do it's not too sweet it's always it's, it's yeah. kind of unscrew upable as long as they know what's in it so yeah, like that's that's kind of what I want. And yeah, you can fall back on those. There's so many classic drinks that are so easy to make that you don't need to worry about too much. And ca- that's kind of where I'm at. Like, yeah, man, I want good drinks, but I don't want to have to think about them all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather think about, okay, how do we teach our staff to, to pay attention to our guests, to understand um, whether they're left or right-handed so we know to serve them that time? How do we, know, how do we recognize regulars who come in wearing a jacket every single time, regardless of the weather, so we know to take the jacket off every time they come in or put like a coat stand next to them. So yeah. like it's it's those little tiny immersion differences. Like what's the music like? How do we lower the lights? That's gonna fix your bars more than just your Those menu. are far more important. Yeah, like they're you, far more important. You, you could be serving just spirits and beer and it that, that's why people go to dive bars. Because the ambiance is better, they recognize you. Those guys have like a steel trap of a memory, even though in their drug and alcohol adult yeah. brains, it's like, but that's the thing they do. It's just all about, there's nowhere to hide, essentially. Yeah. That's what it is. You can't hide behind shrubs. Yeah. Like, Which is why you like classics. Because yeah. you, you can't hide behind anything when you're making a dash. Yeah, it's literally. Like, like, you either about, know what you're doing or not. That's <laughs> it, man. So, so that's why I would rather drink those things and I would rather serve those things. And the public has still had next to none of them. Yeah. Next to absolutely none of them. I promise you, if you went outside and you just corralled 20 people and you were like, this is a Corpse Survivor 2, they'd be like, yo, this is great. I've never had this before, but it's it's great. And you could just smash that out oh, rather, than, easy. rather than working on drink development. And, and there's be- probably, on a Corpse Survivor, there's what, like 20, at least 10 solid riffs that are still classics yeah. or modern classics that you could just, I mean, technically a paper just plane, right? It's very drink. similar. Yeah, sunflower. There's 10 of them. Yeah, yeah, sunflower. Yeah. Yep. I mean, a negative, negative famous. famous. Yeah, like, Last yeah. word, blah, 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 blah. I hate that drink. But anyway. That's, uh, that, that <laughs> is, uh, so that, that's become the new cliche. I haven't seen it on Mover and Shaker yet, so I don't know if they've heard me and have stolen that. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I just don't like it's, I don't know if it's gotten through the ether, but the last word is like, especially a Mezcal last word, is every, nowadays, in 2021, 22, past pandemic, the Mezcal last word is every new bartender's favorite drink to introduce to a guest that doesn't know cocktails. Yeah. And it's like, there used to be a saying that I was told, uh, never make someone's first proper cocktail, never make it a Negroni. Because no, very few people, unless they tell you they like bitter, unless they're maybe European or Italian, they're, they're used to drinking Aperol or whatever, like mm. the, the, those type of cocktails. If, unless it's like this weird circumstance, no one's gonna fall in love with cocktails by giving them a Negroni, no. right? You're just gonna, you're clobbering them in the head. Right, and they, they don't know what it is, and like they shouldn't, you know? Like, but that, that the last word I feel like is one of those cocktails that's kinda like that. It's a it's one of those cocktails that if you, when you're in the mood for it, you're in the mood for it like an aviation or something. 
But like, it's not, especially with mezcal, it's not, not the cocktail. It's not the one just to show to someone who's new to cocktails. It's just like, yo, man, I don't want to think too much about my drinks. Yeah. Like, I just, I just don't need that. Yeah. I'm quite happy. Like, yo, man, I like roast beef. So growing up, we'd have roast beef on a Sunday, and and it would come with with gravy and Yorkshire puddings. I, I, and I had and I had one of those uh, Sunday roasts. Tremendous. They, like, they, they showed me. Absolutely <laughs> tremendous. I don't need you to overcomplicate it. Yeah. Like, I don't need you to. Like, there's a comfort. Don't sous vide it. Yeah, there's a comfort in the simplicity of those flavors that I'm going to go back to again and again and again yeah. and again and again. And yeah, if you want, you can put raisins and, and apricots in the beef. And maybe that's a really interesting flavor combination. Good for you. I don't want it. I just don't want it. Yeah, I don't yeah, need yeah. it. Um, also, I think that, I think that, you know, like when, I'm just not that audience. Like, I know no, there's yeah, plenty yeah. of people who like it. True, but I also think that, like, someone like you... So, there was a... Uh, we were at, me and the guy who... The other guy who was uh, at Sexy Fish that I was working with, we were axiomatic, axiomatically different. Uh-huh. On this one, like, just opposing on this one ideal. And it was, it was a very fine detail where when you go and sit at a bar, a new bar, I like to order a classic. Uh-huh. If I've never been there before... Unless I, unless it's like Mr. Lion or something, then like you know, I'm I'm going there to try their cocktail menu. You uh-huh. know what I mean? But if I don't really know the bar and I'm in a city and I sit down, I'll usually order a classic, a Negroni, a daiquiri, whatever I'm whatever I'm feeling like, some kind of classic. Because a, I want to look at the menu with a drink, mm-hmm. or maybe it's a, a half and half martini, whatever. I want to look at the menu with a drink. I want to sip it. I want to take my time. I want something in my hand. I want to see how the service is. And I and I'm not I'm not always consciously thinking of these things, but I want to hear them shake, see their workflow, blah blah blah. I want to. That's all I want. I, I want to get a, an idea for the bar because then I want to. Then I that tells you what I'm going to order. Like, I just want to watch the bar. I, I want someone else to be there first, and then I'll watch the bartender. And yeah. I hate being that Hawkeye person that's really judgmental. But yeah, I'll know within like 20 seconds yeah. whether I'm going to trust you to make a cocktail for me or whether I'm just going to have a beer. But but you know what though, I think that that's that. That helps me enjoy wherever I'm at rather than be judgmental. Because mm-hmm. I make those quick like little judgments. Like I don't want to be that that douchebag that's complaining about his drink or that's sitting there swirling it and going ugh. But I've kind of got no sympathy for those people because you, know, oh, if yeah. you go in there and you choose to do it. That's the risk you take. Yeah, true. Right. That's the like if I if I've literally never heard of a restaurant and I go in there and I order something off the menu and it's terrible. I took that risk. Right. Maybe that restaurant just sucks. Yeah, Which yeah. is why if I'm going to a new place, I'm probably going to places that I know I can trust anyway. Sure, sure. Because I believe that the people who are in charge of it will get their recruitment right, and that's a way bigger deal. Because as long as you get your recruitment right, I don't really care about your menu. I'm sure it's great and all the rest of it. But as long as you get your recruitment right and you hire people who take pride in the way they do things, part of the thing that they'll take pride in are the way they make their drinks, and then their drinks are going to be fine. But again, it's so rare. That I'm, I'm such a low-maintenance guest that I'm definitely not going to order something complex anyway. No. Like... I don't think I've ever ordered something as ridiculous as a Ray Mushroom Fizz in my whole life because, A, I don't think it's a particularly good drink. And I ordered it one time for a joke because someone's like, go to Ice Plant. <laughs> Bobby was like, go to Ice Plant. I was going to say that Bobby's the only person who's made one for yeah. To be fair, he smashes those drinks. And also he, <laughs> yeah. like, welcomes it. Yeah, he wants to I make mean, that drink and he's great at it. It's so, that's so, like, it's so, like, telling of his person anyway. But, but he's, I mean, he smashes that drink. Because I guess they had a drink. Zach Lynch put a drink on their menu that was basically like a Prosecco Violet Ramos Jim Fizz. And so Bob, you can order like six Ramos now. And Bobby's like, got you, no problem. Yeah, 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 no, he yeah, just doesn't yeah, yeah. care. Um, and I guess once you, the good thing about putting a drink like that on your menu is once you've done that, you'll never weed that guy again. Yeah. <laughs> you'll yeah. never ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember the, the old trope was the, the, like, people will come in still. 
and it's like kind of this like very outdated you know not not their own fault they're they're the guests you know but like it's an outdated like mentality where it's like don't worry i'm not gonna order a mojito and i was like that's one of the easy please bro i'm all, gonna swizzle it all day long. that's such an easy drink Dude. especially compared to like the Ramoses or any any two shake like dry wet shaking drink or anything like that, which I still still make happily because it's my job. But at the same time, it's like it's the, the mojitos used to be so annoying, and I'm like, the no what? I think what that <laughs> that's a that's an example of people being frightened of making drinks because they've never really been shown how to make them, and that's right. something that's very prevalent. Like old fashioned's another one. Like you you oh yeah you yeah can't screw that drink up right. That's but that people will say I go into a bar which there there is there's room for argument which I think we both agree. If you ask someone to make me old fashioned. You're not really looking at the drink necessarily. I mean, if the drink sucks, it's like, wow, I really shouldn't drink here. <laughs> I mean, you know, let me get a beer so I can be happy. But uh, uh, an old fashioned, like you can see the technique and like how you can see how someone moves and I be see, like, okay, if, if you wanted to, but on paper, are they intentionally building in the glass? Do they know what they're doing? Are but, they on, being, but on paper, it should be unscrewable. Like it, I don't care if you even if you put a half ounce of simple syrup in it, it right. makes a little sweet. Yeah, it's like okay, whatever. It's fine. Just if give you, it a couple of stirs with your finger. If you really wanted to be like, okay, ounce and three quarters of Jack. Half an ounce of one-to-one -one simple syrup, three dashes of Angostura bitters, and a bit of an orange twist, and I, or just a slice of orange. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And it's, and it's fine. I'll get it's that. Fine. But because it's because it's not. But there's, most there's not people much will in there. just panic because they've never been shown how to do it, right? And so they'll go. That guy who was here in 1979 who hated everyone told me that you put this red cherry and this half wheel that we cut two days ago in here, and now I've got to smash it up with 19 dashes of this stuff that I don't really understand, and then I'll put ice in do this, put soda water <laughs> in it, and it's like, yeah, that's just going to taste disgusting. But yeah. you could you could literally take five minutes to train that guy properly, and it's fine, and the mojito's the same. Everyone's like, oh, we've got no mint. Like, don't panic about mint, man. It's literally, it's, you would make a Tom Collins. It's literally just a mint rum Collins. You know, it's, you know what's a good, a good good point, too, that, that made me think of, is that, you know, with, with the mint, it's, a lot of people don't take care of their mint, they don't shock it, they're not picking it, or, or you know, it's just like a, a bag of mint that's like rolled up in the back. That's and good. that's why, that I would be nervous, whenever I, if I'm doing a pop-up or if I'm at a new bar or whatever, and I walk in the back, I'm like, oh man, I'm like embarrassed to make the mojito. I almost yeah. feel like, yeah, I dude, can't if, make it. If your mint doesn't stick up properly yeah. like that, yeah, man. It's, You're like propping it up on the straw. It literally <laughs> makes everything look awesome, or like the worst drink yeah. in the world. And so yeah, like those little tiny differences, that's something that's worth, like, teach you guys how to prepare and maintain their mint, rather than coming up with new drinks because it's gonna make your life easier yeah man you make queen's park swizzles all day long and just watch a guest go fuck i want yeah that. yeah i want that and then yeah they can get creative if they want to start making croak park swizzles or hyde park swizzles it's that's the way into that correct it's very very easy but yeah you make those drinks all day long and as long as your ice is decent and your, your garnishes don't suck then yeah the, those different colors are what makes people order shit yep uh so where Switch switch topics a little bit. Cool. Where would you live if you weren't in the U.S. or the U.K.? Like, where would you where would you move? What, what other country? Hong, Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Uh, Hong Kong is my favorite city. I lived in Tokyo. It was awesome, and I, I was gonna go and live in Hong Kong, but ended up coming over here and going to Milwaukee and Chicago. Uh, yeah, Hong Kong, man. Hong Kong is awesome. Yeah. Love, it, love it to death. Uh, I'd like to. This place I haven't been that I'd like to go to. I'd like to go to Rio. Um, like to go to Buenos Aires. I'd like to go to Medellin. I haven't really done a lot in South America. People tell me Peru's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'd like to go to Cape Town. Uh, so yeah, the, there's a lot of places. I, you know, I also I'd live in Australia as well tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Australia's mm -hmm. awesome. They have such good design over there. Yeah, Austra like, Australia. Like it's on another level. Yeah, Australia's great. Um, I've one of my real good friends who I was kids with, friends with when we were kids. He works. He was working at 
down by with Michael Madrison at Everly and that Nook and Honey group down there, and he's just moved to Sydney. But yeah, I, I live down there in a heartbeat. It's it's awesome. I like Australia a lot. Yeah, I love the the coffee shops. Some of the designers that I want to get whenever I open a bar is from somewhere else. I think that she does a lot of work in Sydney, but I don't think she lives there. But Melbourne's like the one. Like that's yes. like the, the super the hip place. Or it's whatever. it's cool Sydney. though because like the the standards are just so high, and they they also though appreciate kind of like in New York they appreciate small spaces too, I incent- which I love. I think they incentivize that. So that's the novelty of a, and again a very young country um, where everyone lives on the outskirts of it basically it's basically like a ring where people no one lives in the middle of Australia it's yeah, a barren yeah. desert where everything kills you right, right, right. so you've got these little pockets and yeah they just continue to develop and uh, yeah they incentivized small business definitely in Melbourne they did that where it was possible to open like a small space for next to nothing and, and you were, you had got quite a, got a lot of like tax breaks and government That's awesome. subsidies and stuff um, yeah what, what you consider like what Orlando's like when it's 750 grand now for a liquor license like yeah. that's just you can't overcome that barrier. There's a chef that wants me to help him open uh, like this. He wants he's shooting for two or three Michelin stars. He now he's got the cred to back it up. He he's worked in he's I think he's from Japan, but he worked in Taiwan at like super high level places. Worked in New York, of course. Blah 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 blah. He's worked all over. Uh, and he moved to Miami, and he was going to open a spot. He wants to open a spot down there. He was actually working at a uh, not to be named place uh, that I used to work at, but. Anyway, he uh, he wants to do this experience, and he's like, oh, I'm, we're thinking about Orlando. And he's saying it because the property's cheaper. He's like, everything's cheaper up there, blah, blah. I'm like, mm, no. Mm-hmm. The property's not that much cheaper, depending on where you are. But other than the property, which if you're – he's he's raised like a, a $1.6 million to open this place, right? Which is <laughs> probably going to need – probably going to need like 2.2, to be honest with you, with what he wants. Mm-hmm. But uh, buying the property, sure. Getting the liquor license, he's like, yeah, it's – now Miami's caught up to Orlando. Oh, really? Uh, it's that expensive now? It's, it, I mean, Orlando, I saw one for five fifty. It probably got gobbled up immediately, but it's just the, the Miami's like 500 k <laughs> like, Yeah, Miami's like 500K. The, like Miami any, was 180 k Anyone who's like, and, and I have a really good friend who is open in a spot down here. Like, they, they do, they're like the only bartender on, real bartender on while going. And yeah, they they were planning to open. They were like, man, it's going to suck because it's going to cost like three or $400,000 and so much money. And now it's doubled. It's it's, a, it's two houses. Yeah. It's just yeah madness. But when you consider Dallas, it's like five grand. Yep. Like New York or Chicago, it's like ten grand every two years or whatever it is. And I know there's other costs associated yeah, yeah, yeah. with it as well. But like just just to be able to sell a gin and tonic, it's the you should, like no one should do it. It's the stupidest decision in the and I'm, I'm super enthused for anyone who does do it because I think the the, place, the city needs more spots. And you can definitely make it worse, but man, you have to make the better part of a million dollars before you break even. That's not what normal people should do. So what you have to do is borrow other people's money and fuck that. Yeah. Like, Puts you in their pocket immediately. Yeah, man. I don't care who. Like, I don't care who you are. Well, what it does is, I mean, it creates a system that is beneficial for those people only. They, and what you know, if you if you lease it, I, I just got a contract from a lawyer like a few months ago about a lease, and it's like what they do is is they jack the price up to like five million bucks and then they lease it out to you for just the interest payments but the the nice thing about i have my lawyer read over it but the nice thing is you are not liable for really anything they are 100 percent liable for it you have the right to buy it if they ever try to sell it they can't sell it for, up from under you so it's actually not a bad deal but still you don't own anything no. all they're getting is they're getting three or four grand a month from you and probably 20 30k up front for doing for just sitting there mm-hmm. and th- so it gives them 
all of the benefit. It just costs you money. I mean, that's like kind of that's the only way to do it if you're gonna be and, and you know make, make sure your contract's rock solid and all that. But that's the only way you can do it. But it just it puts you at such a disadvantage, and it's it's definitely like a class divide thing yeah. where it's like it's but, a lottery. It's just like horror story after horror story after horror story after horror story. Man, if you I mean if, if it's the only way to do it and you really want to do it. I really hope you succeed, but man, like it's, if you can avoid doing it and just open in Munich or Rome or somewhere like that, do that. Yeah, I think the chef's going to try to get a SRX license, which is, yeah, is the mean, way to go. I mean, whatever. You just need like over a certain capacity and then yep. yeah, that's, that's the way to do it. Yeah. So, you but know, again, then you have to serve food and do you want to serve food? It's yeah, he's, he's going to be omakase experience yeah, so, I mean, and all that. So he'll be, he'll, he'll, be he'll be fine. But uh, so when it comes to competitions, what's the la- the Patron, you, Patron Legacy, right? Was the one was I, the one you did? Was I it Legacy or so Bacardi Legacy? Patron, or sorry, uh, Patron. Patron sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Get them all mixed up. So Perfectionist, you got to finals. I watched globals, that. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, Globals. I watched that uh, performance. It was sick. I, I took a bunch of things from that. Just like little notes that I was like, that was a nice like turn. This way he moved the story. It definitely helped me because then I had to do the world class and it was all virtual. Mm. I did really well and you know I just it was like little like subconscious things that I was like that was. That I think particularly, it's probably one of the best competition performances I've seen from you. Uh, probably, actually, probably the best that I've seen. I know you've done a lot of other competitions before that, uh, so congrats. Uh, but for with competitions, do you think that they make you a more intense person? Do you think they change like the way you you look at life? Not bartending, all that. Sure, they did, but like, do you no, think? Do you no, think- man. No, I don't. So where I, I'm really. Where I work, I'm lucky and I'm unlucky, right? Because I'm lucky to, to have the, the fiscal stability and the health insurance to, to provide for people who are important to me and do the things that I wouldn't be able to do, like go the places I wouldn't be able to go or buy the things I wouldn't be able to buy if I worked somewhere that was maybe a bit, little more vocational. Yeah, um, my, the, the way for me to like break out of that, because there, there's not, there wasn't a great deal of, of internal development opportunities and there wasn't anyone who'd be able to provide that mentorship or those mm. connections so competitions were a way for me to you can you you know you read books for so long and then you you instigate change within your bar or you become more efficient or you worry about movement or you think about measurements and all that and the next thing for me was was to just be surrounded by like-minded people and so the first one i entered was bacardi legacy and i didn't really I'd never been in a competition. So I, I entered Bacardi Legacy and then I got the email, oh, congrats, we'll, we'll have you down to Miami. And that was the first time I'd been surrounded by like, I'd been to cool bars before, but that was the first time I'd, I'd ever been in that environment. And the only reason I entered it was because I met, I, I don't know how I knew who Tom Walker was, but I knew who Tom Walker was. And we were in New York and I walked into, like I walked past Fresh Kills and I was like, oh, I've heard it, like I've, I've been in Clover Club and it kind of sucked and then we went to Leander and that was pretty good and then we walked past Fresh Kills and I was like, oh, I've heard of that place, let's nip in and Tom Walker happened to be working the floor and I was like, I, I don't know why but I recognize that guy and obviously he's got an accent so you recognize him as well For sure. and I was like, hey man, don't take this the wrong way but I feel like I've seen you and I guess he's had that a stack of times because he won Bacardi Legacy, it was yep, a big deal yep, yep, yep. worked at the Savoy and Bramble and that and so, and I was like, you had that drink, that made in Cuba. And he was like, hey, and I was like, can you make that? And he was like, yeah, and I made it. And I was like, wow, that was great. And so I knew Bacardi Legacy. So I was like, man, maybe I'll throw my hat in the ring and see what happens. So I made like a drink and threw it in and it did good. And then I did, I was in Miami with people who worked at like the Broken Shaker or, or people who like now are like brand reps for people. And I didn't know who anyone was. Back like, in the people, glory days too. Yeah, it was like, oh, it was only, it was like four years ago, something like four or five years ago. Huh. And, um. 
Was that before Broken Shaker had opened in other cities? Or when it was right about to open? It hadn't opened in New York. Okay. I think it was Chicago and Miami, and then I think the LA one was about to open. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they, were, they, were, they were popping at that time. And the, yeah, they had loads of cool people working for them. And like Yoli Baez was down in Miami, and then Mel um, Mix-a-Lot, I forget her name. Um, she was over, in, and Wiseman was in L.A. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I, I made that drink, and then I, I was just there and, and did the presentation and was like, man, that was a cool thing to be a part of. And then I won it. And I was like, oh, shit, didn't expect that. And there's like a picture of me just like, <laughs> like just didn't expect it at all. But and there was Nick Nistico was judging and Ben Potts and, and Colin Appier. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, it was great. And, and I'd never done anything like that in Miami before, so it was great. And then um, I thought, well, yeah, I'll enter a few more. And I'd just been really lucky. They're quite... I won't say they're formulaic, but like it's, I mean, you'll know as well. Like, if you actually look at it, it's not about do what you think is really great. It is that you have to be enthusiastic and passionate about it. And I like that I get to tell stories that are important to me in a brand. And that's the synthesis of it, right? Yeah. Um, so I try, I don't try, it would be very easy to just like keep doing margarita riffs or keep doing daiquiri riffs. So I always try and make a drink that is different than something I've done before, that uses a technique I might not have used before just so that I can see that I've done it. I try and think about flavors that I think are fun. I try and think about telling a story that's important to me in some way. And that for me gives me the, the cathartic outlet that I don't get because I don't get to do it in work. And so that's why I do that. I don't really care. About, I've been fortunate with winning quite a bit of stuff, but I don't really care about that. All oh, right, you're not, you're, not, you're not entering to lose, Yeah, right? oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm not a good loser, right? <laughs> like, I'm really not. I like, and at the end of it, I go, this sucks, I should have yeah. won. I did everything right. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes you don't put the work in, and you're like... And you're like, like yeah, I didn't Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like, world class, I just, the first time I'd done world class in person was last January, um, and I was like, yeah, I feel good about this. I feel like I can crush it. My drinks are good, and you've got to do a speed round, and I was like, speed round, I'll be able to smash this, so yeah, I'm like, yeah, dead, yeah. dead easy. Didn't practice it because I was in Barbados oh, man. the year before, and then I showed up and I was like six drinks. I might try and make twelve actually, just to be yeah, really impressive. Yeah, right. And then and then screwed it up. Like never, never been as bad in a competition at all. Yeah. Like absolutely atrocious. And all these people who respect you or who you respect are all watching you just fail. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it was like a super humbling experience. Speed, speed round is yeah. the great equalizer. Which is funny <laughs> because it's like. You could give me that ticket on a Saturday, and it would go out in three and a half minutes. Hundred percent. But yeah, because you everything will go wrong in a speed round because, that because, has not gone wrong. But because you don't, because I didn't practice it, and I, it's funny because I say the same thing to everyone who's like, "What's your advice for a competition?" I feel like it's the same way of how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice. Yep. You just need to practice, yep. and if you practice, as long as you're not a complete idiot, you'll be there or thereabouts. Yep. That's all it takes. Yep. Like, read what they want, give them what they want in a way that's personal and and means something to you. Don't worry about people who are like, competitions mean nothing, this all sucks, blah, blah, blah. It's like, they can stay at home and I'll go around the world. That's yep. that's fine. Also, most of them have competed. You know, they've already done it. Yeah. So regardless of whether or not they hate it or not, like, I mean, I'd say about half the people who hate them did them for a while and now we're just done with them. There's just a lot of ego as well. There's a lot of people who just, they're so afraid to fail in front of people because they think people put them on some kind of pedestal that yeah. they just won't even do it. And it's like, yo, man, I don't care. Yeah, like, yeah. I just don't care if, like... You could get up and make the greatest, like, I don't know what the greatest drink in the world would be. There's literally no drink you could make for me that'd be like, that's oh my God. That literally, that's what Buddha felt at the time <laughs> of enlightenment. Like, that, that drink doesn't exist. I think it's a time and place, right? That's why people ask you, like, you know, that's what your favorite drink is. But I think it's like with anything else, like, if it's, if it's, uh, 
if you're craving an Irish coffee and you get one, that's probably the best drink in the world at that moment. Like, you're like, damn, this is hitting the spot. Or, or, or fresh Guinness. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, Guinness and a shot after work. Or, you know, whatever. Like a glass of wine, like, with dinner. And you're like, man, this is anything better than this? No. I think that that's, I think that that's one thing that people, as you, when you get older, in life and in bartending, you realize that, like, it's, it's really about being present in the moment and really just enjoying the shit out of it. There's beauty and simplicity. Like, yeah. I, I guess, like, a lot, of, a lot of Scotch people say the same. It's like, what's the best Scotch? It's like the one that you enjoy with the people who mean the most. And it could be terrible. But yeah, like I think about when I think about my favorite moments, it's not because the drinks are so good. Like That's the time you don't remember them. Right. That's the time like it was like some kind of <laughs> one of my best bar experiences ever was in the bar I think is the best bar in the world in Attaboy. I can't really remember all the drinks. Yeah. But I remember being there with three of my pals from the UK, Jamie, Leon, and Sergi, and we we were up there to go to cocktails in the country with Gary Regan and we were dead excited about that yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that was amazing and he's, he was awesome energy was right yeah, yeah. And, and then we, we were gonna go in and, and Michael McElroy was behind the bar and, oh, he, was, yeah. and he was bartending less and less then because obviously they're doing a million things and, and so and they were like oh we don't usually allow four people to sit at the, the yeah, bar yeah, because yeah, obviously yeah. they're very like I got that last time yeah there. they're very like that and they were like but we've just opened so cool you can come in and I mean Alarm bells are probably ringing immediately when you've got like four British guests anyway in this country, which for better or worse is just the way it is. Right. Well, maybe you just don't know which way it's going to go. You're like, all right, yeah. are these guys going to be cool? Are they going to get blasted? Yeah, exactly. Or are they going to be like... Or are they yeah. just going to be pricks and not tip us or right, something? Right, right, yeah, right, right, and, right. And you've got to deal with it and that's part <laughs> of the job. But when they're sat in front of your bar, that can be kind of draining. But yeah, but Michael, we were literally like, okay, we'll be here for like probably four rounds and then we've got to get off. Make whatever you want, course it out. Um, and you could see that that was an order that he was quite excited about because then he's got carte blanche and he's like, okay, maybe these guys kind of know what they're doing. And yeah, I can't remember. Like, I remember the drinks being epic. And I, yeah. I, if, I, if I spoke to those lads, I'm sure we could remember all 16 of the drinks. Sure, sure. But he was just class. Like he, the way he ran the bar and the way he was talking to us and the way he was doing everything else, it was just, it was just a great thing to, as someone who works in that industry, I would imagine if you're, if you're in aerodynamics and you see a plane that's awesome, you're like, man, that's, that's the gold yeah, yeah. standard. And that's what it was like. Everything was great. And then the lighting's good and the room is cool yeah, and yeah. it starts to fill up and there's an atmosphere and the music's super good. There's like playing like Foles or Casino and all kinds of like, yeah. it's, it was just a, a great experience. But yeah, man, the, there's really no question the drinks were good. Like I'm sure I got like a Rome with a View, which is one of my favorites because mm. I love Americanos. And it, like it was just a great time. The drinks were just a tiny part of it. Yeah, yeah. And they are important. So, I think the drinks are like the fuel, right? Between that time, like they, the drinks are just one aspect, and I don't because all these you need people, them, but like you're not thinking about the gas in your you car when you're driving them, it. Anyone, you know what I mean? You're hitting the pedal. Any, yeah, anyone who's like your drinks aren't important is a liar. Yeah. Like they are a liar. Like, right. like if you look at any of that, what's that thing that just came out? The top fifty bars, blah blah blah. Some people who work on that list might say they're not important. None of them believe it. Like those drinks are clutch. There's a reason your Instagram has got all those drinks on. There's a reason you want your drinks to try all these cocktails. They have to be good, but. That's just one thing that your bartenders have to be good at is making drinks. Right. They do have to be good at it. So yeah, I will say that I don't believe anyone who's like, show me these bars that everyone flocks to that make shitty drinks. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. you can just have a beer next time. Fuck no, I'm not like. If yeah, you don't yeah. care enough to make your drinks properly, I might have a beer if I'm there. I might not go back though. You know, there's this. I have a wonderful time, and they make me feel so good. And and oh, it's always such a, a fantastic time. Oh, don't order a cocktail though; they're not good at that. That's a but, that's but a every, friend. That's a friend zone. Yeah, that's a friend. You just got a friend zone bar. Yeah. Like, that's like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this, show me these. They're such a nice person. Yeah. Like, show me these magical places that suck at drinks, 
but that are packed because everything else is great. Right. They might not make cocktails. You might not order cocktails. That's different. But no, nowhere is like, man, their drinks suck. I love it there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it doesn't yeah, yeah. exist. Yeah, yeah.